Team Buck, welcome to the Freedom Hut. Much to get to today. First off, stop panicking over the Delta variant. No more lockdowns. No more mask mandates. This is a fight we have to win. Plus, our southern border is open to the whole world. And Dick Durbin tells us what the strategy is for the Democrats. An Ivy League lawyer firebombed a police car. And yet there are a lot of folks who are rushing to defend the suspect. And a trans model on the cover of Sports Illustrated. What are we supposed to take from that? We'll get into all of it in just a moment. But first, I've got to tell you that the Tunnel to Towers Foundation is incredible. They help us keep our commitment to never forget. And this year, the foundation is honoring Gold Star and fallen first responder families with young children and catastrophically injured veterans and first responders with 200 mortgage-free homes. Chairman and CEO Frank Siller is paying tribute to the fallen by walking from the Pentagon to Shanksville and on to Ground Zero. More than 500 miles through six states in 42 days, the month of August through 9-11. Towers of light are to shine at the Pentagon and Shanksville memorials in remembrance. The names of those we lost to 9-11 related illnesses are being read aloud at a ceremony on September 12th. And on Veterans Day, the names of those we lost in the war on terror will also be read aloud. Do good and help America to never forget. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T2T.org. T, the number two, T.org. The COVID panic is never going to stop unless we make it stop. You know I've been saying that for a long time. You also know that I've told you there's a possibility of more mask mandates in the future, even after we get to a widespread level of vaccination, which we already are, we've already reached. In this country, it's already something that we are uh, experiencing. And because of the Delta variant, you're being told, oh, no, there's different rules we have to apply now. We have to go back to the things we did in the past. No, no, no. Lockdowns were utterly catastrophic. Okay, idiotic. They did not work. And no one should have thought they would work. But this is a case study in in not just years or decades. I would say in centuries to come, people will look back at what our public health establishment did in this country and around the world and say, how could they have abandoned so many core principles of science, of free intellectual inquiry, of freedom of speech? How could they have been completely overtaken with groupthink and the herd mentality and really acted like anybody who would question this even from within their own ranks was some kind of a heretic. There is an excellent piece in City Journal written by John Tierney. I want to share some of this piece with you because I think it makes the point incredibly well. Here's what he writes. And the, the title of the piece is The Panic Pandemic, which I believe was even a title that we used uh, Producer Mark, I I, we, I I didn't ask you this before and we could check. I, I'm sure we had a podcast where I said stop the panic pandemic because that's what we've been going through. It's an obvious description of the reality that we have been seeing. And so I wanted to share with you this piece um, because I think he really gets it. I think he really nails it. The United States quote, suffered through two lethal waves of contagion the past year and a half. 
The first was a viral pandemic that killed about one in 500 Americans. Typically, a person over 75 suffering from other serious health conditions. The second and far more catastrophic was a moral panic that swept the nation's guiding institutions. Instead of keeping calm and carrying on, the American elite flouted the norms of governance, journalism, academic freedom, and worst of all, science. They misled the public about the origins of the virus and the true risk that it posed. Ignoring their own carefully prepared plans for a pandemic, they claimed unprecedented powers to impose untested strategies with terrible collateral damage. As evidence of their mistakes mounted, they stifled debate by vilifying dissenters, censoring criticism, and suppressing scientific research. If, as seems increasingly plausible, the coronavirus that causes COVID-19 leaked out of a laboratory in Wuhan, it is the costliest blunder ever committed by scientists. Whatever the pandemic's origin, the response to it is the worst mistake in the history of the public health profession. We still have no convincing evidence that the lockdown saved lives, lives, but lots of evidence that they already cost lives and will prove deadlier in the long run than the virus itself. End quote. And this is stunning, isn't it? You hear these words or you read them if you see this piece in City Journal and you say, what the hell were these idiots in charge doing? Lockdown? And remember, there's so many ways, and I could just go off on, on endless criticisms about this. There are so many ways, though, in which this was doomed to fail from the start as a policy. For one... We never really locked down. That did not happen. There were always frontline workers. There were always people who were required to continue to go about their jobs. And there were human beings who had to be in contact with other human beings. The virus continued to spread. But instead of focusing on protecting those who are truly at mortal peril, the elderly, those with preexisting conditions, most notably obesity, instead of that, we pretended like, 22 year olds should be you know, working on Zoom only from their couch in Park Slope, Brooklyn or in Santa Monica, Los Angeles or wherever. That's what this thing turned into. So they had people who were working class delivering their food and keeping the lights on for them while they got to do a lot of virtue signaling about how seriously they take the virus. But this became a religion for people that neither have a relationship with God nor have come to grips with the fact psychologically that we are all going to die. I don't mean from COVID. I just mean as a certainty, all of us will die. I will die. And I know that. And sure, it's a human condition that you will at some points be, you don't want to die and you try to live the longest, happiest, healthiest life you can. You take those actions you can to extend your life whenever possible but you know you wake up every day with that knowledge and an understanding that there's only so much you can control and you do the best you can and we all have limited time that psychological predisposition would have resulted in people thinking we're going to do what we can you know you want to stay away from sick people and you want to stay as healthy as you can but you can't control this virus Instead, we were completely misled 
into thinking that if only we obeyed St. Fauci, everything would be fine. If only that sub-mediocrity in his little lab coat, his little glasses, you know, I just go on TV every three seconds to tell the libs whatever they want to hear about the virus. Here he is, play clip four. Canada is doing better, not because we are trying any less than they are trying. It's because in Canada, you don't have that divisiveness of people not wanting to get vaccinated in in many respects on the basis of ideology and, and political persuasion. And that's something that we have been saying for some time now. I mean, political differences are totally understandable and a natural part of the process in any country. But when it comes to a public health issue in which you're in the middle of a deadly pandemic and the common enemy is the virus, it just doesn't make any sense to to essentially disregard or, or, or don't pay attention to what's obvious, namely that if you look at the numbers, they tell you something very important. 99.5% of all the deaths due to COVID-19 in this country are among unvaccinated people. So let, let's just take him at his word here for a second. That was Fauci just in the last 24 hours. Let, let's just go. First of all, he's he's a scientist who compares the U.S. to Canada. And immediately it's, you know, the politics, Fox News. Whenever they say divisive politics, whenever these lab coat tyrants get on TV, you know, the blue check MD brigades who were wrong about everything. They love the BLM protests, even when they were telling everybody else no protests allowed. But BLM protests were about health. I see somebody, especially a, a, you know, an upper middle class white liberal who's showy about how much they're into BLM. I not only see a fraud, I see a moron. Just want to say this. It's like people that unnecessarily share their pronouns. No one cares. Stop being an idiot. And it doesn't make you a good person. It makes you a sheep. You do whatever the herd is doing and try to fit in so desperately. It's it's pathetic. I just want to note that Fauci, Mr. Science, compares the U.S. to Canada. Gee, you know, you know what really matters a lot when you're talking about the spread of a virus? Things like population density. Canada per square uh, per square mile has 11 people. The United States per square mile has 94 people. So almost 10 X the population density per square mile in the United States. Do, do you think should that matter to anybody? Is that is that relevant? I think it matters. I think people should care about this. I think they should think um that it's something that we all should pay attention to at some level. But then again, I'm basing this on the science. I'm basing this on what actually we know from the numbers. All right. OK, it's more like nine times. Who, who cares? Doesn't matter. It's, it's a lot more population density. And here we are. Playing this out with the Fauci, I'd still running around saying the Delta variant, you got to get everyone. If the vaccines work so well, which they work less well against Delta than than they had hoped or than they had told us. But if the vaccines work so well, then guess what? We should be back to fully normal today because if someone is choosing 
not to get a vaccine, they are making a choice, and that is something that they get to live with, right? I have not gotten the vaccine because I had COVID. So, and, I, and my family members who are at high risk have all gotten the vaccine, so it is completely reasonable to say I'm not going to do it. But if I were to get super sick with COVID in six months and, you know, God forbid, end up in the hospital, would people be able to say, well, you know, he didn't get the vaccine? Yeah, of course. But how many years have we gone through now in America where you could choose to get a flu vaccine? Yes or no, one way or the other. And a lot of people died from the flu and a lot of those people didn't get the vaccine. If you believe in it, if you want it, you can get it. And I've had plenty of opportunity to get it. The argument for imposing this on people, the argument for mandates and all the rest of it simply does not add up. Doesn't add up because you should be you're protected. It's good enough. And giving this to 12 year olds or two year olds, as they want to start doing, is reckless. And it's rooted in this as a religious belief for liberals who are not really liberals, statist, leftist, authoritarians, progressives. It's a religion for them, a religion replacement. And there's a lot of moral and intellectual cowardice on the left about this point. It's really defined by intellectual and moral cowardice when it comes to COVID. They would not speak the truth. And that's why when you read this piece, for example, in City Journal, where they address what happened here, um, it's, it's stunning to see how this was politicized so early on. It was used as a weapon against Trump. And what they've really ended up doing in all of this is destroy public faith in the health establishment's willingness to stay out of politics and just do what's best for the patient, just do what's best to keep people healthy and alive. Do you think any of the lockdowners feel bad about the fact that as the City Journal piece states, quote, one in three people worldwide lost a job or a business during the lockdowns, half saw their earnings drop, children never at risk from the virus and many places essentially lost a year of school. The economic and health consequences were felt most acutely among the less affluent in America and in the rest of the world, where the World Bank estimates that more than 100 million people had been pushed into extreme poverty. A hundred million people pushed into extreme poverty. Extreme poverty means going to bed hungry at night, malnutrition. Extreme poverty means not having access to properly sanitized water. You know, you get dysentery. You can die from that, too, by the way. Extreme poverty is grinding misery, pain and despair. A hundred million people pushed into that, according to the World Bank, because of lockdowns. Do they count? Does that matter to anybody? No, it's, it's so much more essential for people who have two homes and could flee to one of them during the pandemic. So they had plenty of outdoor space to go to to watch MSNBC and listen to Maddow and the other geniuses over there and mask up double mask. What happened to double masking? You'll notice it's fallen out of fashion like a preferred hat or the width of men's ties, because that's all it ever was, a fashion. It was moronic from the beginning. Will they admit that? No, they will not.
they will not admit it because that would be to accept that they can be wrong. And if they were wrong about that, what else were they wrong about? One thing that I'm definitely right about is how amazing my pillows are. I've gotten to know Mike Lindell, the inventor of my pillow, well over the years, and his products have been a game changer when it comes to my sleep. Mike fit me for my very own my pillow. He also introduced me to their wide assortment of other incredible products like their mattress topper, sheets, towels, slippers, and more. Sleep is so important to me, and I can assume the same is true for all of you, right? It's so important for your health, for your immune system. You got to get a good night's sleep for your stress levels. Give my pillow a try and see the difference for yourself. Listeners like you have helped build my pillow into the incredible company it is today, and Mike Lindell wants to give back to all of you. You can get great discounts on MyPillow products by going to MyPillow.com right now and clicking on new radio listener specials. All right, you're going to see the rotational offers up to 66% off on products, uh, products like their pillows, mattress topper, and Giza sheets, but also new products like their slippers, weighted blankets, robes, waffle blankets, and more. All MyPillow products come with a 60-day money-back guarantee. Enter promo code BUCK. That's promo code BUCK, B-U-C-K, for these great radio specials. Make sure you use promo code BUCK, and you got that 60-day money-back guarantee. So you got to go for it. I mean, I've got the MyPillow towels, the, the pillows, of course, the mattress topper, the My Slippers, amazing products. And Mike Lindell stands for freedom and America in the face of the cancel culture left. So stand with Mike because he stands with us. Go to MyPillow.com, click on new radio listener specials, and use that promo code BUCK. So the lockdowners are never going to budge from what they've said and how wrong they've been up to this point. But you have to remember that it was also largely pushed by journalists. As, they, as he writes here in this City Journal piece, uh, John Tierney writes, The panic was started, as usual by journalists, as the virus spread early last year. They highlighted the most alarming statistics and the scariest images. The estimates of a fatality rate 10 to 50 times higher than the flu, the chaotic scenes at hospitals in Italy and New York City, the predictions that national health care systems were also about to collapse. The full-scale panic was set off by the release in March of 2020 of a computer model at the Imperial College in London, which projected that under, uh, unless drastic measures were taken, intensive care units would have 30 COVID patients for every available bed, and America would see 2.2 million deaths by the end of the summer. British researchers announced the only viable strategy was to impose draconian restrictions on businesses, schools and social gatherings until a vaccine arrived. It was lockdown until vaccine. They didn't really tell us that at the beginning, did they? No, because people would have said, hold on a second. This is now the new standard. This is how we deal with this stuff. Lockdown until vaccine. Really? Isn't that isn't that a little bit extreme sounding? Can't can't everyone tell right away? Hold on a second. That doesn't that doesn't make any sense. We're going to lock down that long. But they lied. They lied to you. They told you it was two weeks to slow the spread. They didn't say it was stay locked down until a vaccine comes out. And now you can see they're trying to edge into we all have rolling lockdowns until the virus is entirely gone. It's endemic now folks it's going to be within the population there will be covid outbreaks for the foreseeable future that is just reality it's just reality and they're not going to be as big they're not going to be as lethal but it is now very much like the flu it is going to be in circulation around the world and there will be a seasonality to it 
and there will be booster shots and there will be, you know, future variants and all the rest of it. So that means, no, we don't go back to the things that didn't work to stop it in the first place, I might add. It means we go back to normal life and people making informed decisions for themselves about their health. That's it. I mean, the so-called Fauciite consensus, I'm the one who calls it that, but the consensus of the Fauciites was wrong. And they use social media to shut down those who disagreed with them. They use whatever tools at their disposal to crush dissent. They went after researchers like Unitas uh, at the Stanford University Medical School. They went after people with impeccable credentials who said, what the heck is going on here? You guys are wrong. This is a bad idea. The numbers don't support it. Shut up, they said. You're helping Trump. Ah, that's what it's all about. Problem with the left is that it's emotion over reason. They're so emotionally invested in their hatred of Donald Trump and their desire to feel superior because of their politics to their fellow human beings that you you can't really reason with them. You can't have a discussion about things like maybe this is more important than whether you like Trump or not. Maybe getting this right and not crushing freedom, shredding the Constitution and resulting. But there's so much unintended consequence of things like lockdowns and masks, I might, might, I might add. I think a lot of people thought that masks were much more effective than they were. So they were not doing the things that would have really helped, like be very cautious about being around a sick person. Oh, well, I got my mask. My mask will keep me safe, you know, just like the doctors wear. They never stop to think, hold on a second. Doctors actually wear N95 masks. They don't wear a balaclava or a, you know, a handkerchief with Biden Harris 2020 on it. And they have a clean, fresh mask every time they go into the OR and they keep it on the whole time. They don't. And, and they're and you're talking about somebody who's in a an environment where their body is likely being opened up to pathogens already. So, you know, you're in extreme circumstance, medical circumstance, but people say, oh, yeah. You know, doctors in the OR, same thing as mask on, mask off on the plane, mask on, mask off in the restaurant. This is stupid. Everybody should know it is stupid. But there are people who really want to believe they're smart and they vote Democrat and they're leftists. They think they're so smart. And so it didn't matter how absurd this got, because ultimately it was a giant exercise in showing everybody how evolved, elevated uh, and and elite they were in their thinking and in their lifestyle choices around covid. It's pathetic. It's awful. Anyway, I, I can't recommend this piece more highly by John Tierney in City Journal, The Panic Pandemic. Uh, it, it's it's essential. You should definitely check it out. And um, good work from John Tierney. So there's no argument for changing election and voting laws based on fraud. There certainly is any arg- is no argument when it comes to the outcome of the election. That was clear. And it has been to everyone except one former president for a long time. And yet the Republicans went in control of state legislatures or by design trying to make it more difficult for some people to vote. Why? The answer is very simple. The demographics of America are not on the side of the Republican Party. The new voters in this country are moving away from them, away from Donald Trump, away from their party creed that they preach. And instead, they're moving to 
be independents or to even vote on the other side. To argue and fight against that, the Republicans in legislative settings are reducing and restricting the opportunity to vote. That's what it's all about. Oh, wait a second. Here's uh, good old Dick Durbin saying some stuff about some things here when it comes to people uh, and the border and the Democrat strategy. Hmm. The demographics of America are not on the side of the Republican Party. The new voters in this country are moving away from the new voters. Gee, that's so interesting. So immigration is a tool that Democrats plan to and have been using. It's a tool to outvote Republicans. And what you do is kick the doors to America as wide open as possible. Take those who are least likely to be able to contribute on a net basis. Take those who are most likely to need state benefits and who are going to arrive and immediately be told, oh, if you're non-white, this country owes you something. You are owed by the country you have just arrived in. You don't owe the country. No, no, quite the opposite. Oh, no, you, you've probably suffered from white supremacy wherever you came from, all over the world. You came from Sri Lanka. You came from Vietnam, from Haiti, from Venezuela. White supremacy is the challenge that you have faced, whether you know it or not. That's what the left says. That's part of the narrative. So bring in as many people from the rest, whether they speak English or not, doesn't matter whether they know anything about America, doesn't matter. They know that there's good welfare benefits here. They know that the Democrat Party wants them here to outvote those who believe in limited government, who believe in constitutionalism. So this is the plan. And that's why the open southern border is so interesting, isn't it? I know there was a Fox reporter who was down there with hundreds of people trying to just push through in Del Rio, literally push through Border Patrol at a fenced area. And it's on video. You can see it. And so we sit here and say, how can anyone tell us that the border is not effectively an open border? You get you uh, you get brought into the United States, you get caught. Okay, maybe maybe you get turned around and deported. You just try again. You'll get in. Anybody who wants to get here now illegally can do so. It is not hard. And if you're a family unit, you're definitely getting in. If you're a child, you're obviously getting in. So when Democrats get all all huffy, indignant about what's really happening here at the southern border, just remember that the plan is exactly as we've been saying, which is to bring in more people who are more likely to vote Democrat and that means importing as many as many individuals illegally and legally from the developing world as they possibly can. You know, not all individuals are going to be able to come to America. Not everybody who wants to be in a country that is wealthy and uh, has relative rule of law and at least until Democrats are done with it. Decent levels of freedom. They can't all come. So who doesn't get to show up here? Who doesn't get to be an American? That's the question the Democrats never answer. They are using these, uh, as, as Dick Durbin said, these demographic changes that they are uh, breaking the law to bring about in the first place. They are using this 
in order to uh, outvote Republicans and create a permanent majority for the Democrat Party. They say it out loud. So as much as I'm sure they want to argue with me on this and pretend that what I'm saying isn't true, they say it out loud. Um, anyway, now there's also uh, speaking of what's going on all over the world. Wait, did I have? Oh, the Ivy League lawyers. Uh, I was going to talk about China, but, you know, we'll talk about China tomorrow. Ivy League lawyers headed to trial here. This this was pretty remarkable. A uh Two New York City Ivy League lawyers are standing trial for the um, for allegedly firebombing a police cruiser. And this will start in March of 2022, a police cruiser and distributing Molotov cocktails during the George Floyd riots last summer. Defense lawyers. This is from the Washington Free Beacon for Collinford Mattis and Aruj Rahman have been in plea negotiations, but have not come to terms. They will not take a plea bargain. Oh, well, that's. So the pretrial motions are scheduled for September 17th. Jury selection will begin March 14th, 2022. That's a pretty bold move to not to not actually take a plea in a situation like this. I mean, they, they are clearly based on everything we know. They are clearly guilty. There is surveillance footage of this. They are literally on camera firebombing a police vehicle. And. Police officers were there and witnessed it. You have eyewitnesses and video evidence of it. So explain to me why they would try to roll the dice on seven felony charges, including civil disorder, arson, conspiracy and federal explosives charges. Okay, and remember, lawyers are automatically disbarred for felony convictions in New York state. I'm I'm just wondering, why would they roll the dice on that if they get convicted you get convicted on seven federal felony charges. A judge can can make you serve some real time. You know, you could go away for years. So what's the oh, well, we know why. Um, we know why they think they can they can do this, because, quote, the accused enjoy widespread sympathy and support from New York's legal and media elites. Rahman is represented by one of the city's best defense attorneys, and a former Obama administration official guaranteed her bail in the amount of $250,000. Both have been the subject of favorable profiles in New York Magazine, NPR, among other venues. I think they believe they can get a not guilty verdict based on Black Lives Matter, BLM, Black Lives Matter. I, I think that's really the plan here, to just look at the sympathy that the left has in New York City for the BLM movement so they will nullify charges of arson, civil disorder and, you know, destructive riot. And, and let, let me just note, you know, firebombing of police cars, the kind of thing that I used to believe all Americans could agree on was really bad. It's it's not just about the destruction, although that's obviously a part of it. It's dangerous. It's dangerous, as we all know. And yet they won't take a plea because they think there's enough sympathy for them. They think there's enough sympathy for them that maybe the jury just says, you know what? The laws don't count. Now, I want you to juxtapose this situation with what we just saw play out with James Hodgkins, who's the who's the uh, rioter who just got eight months in federal prison for the crime of disrupting Congress. Congress was delayed in what it did, disrupt 
obstructing Congress. Oh, eight months in federal prison for that. Interesting. And uh, they're going to go for multi-year sentences, I can assure you, against people who were, you know, who actually either destroyed property. He didn't destroy property. This guy was just there. He was just there eight months in federal prison. Now, how do you get to that? Well, his presence, he was trespassing, and his presence was part of a group, they say, that was, well, they say all kinds of crazy things about it, but they'll say that it was um, part of an insurrection, that there was a a threat to Congress from this, that people were terrified, all all this sort of stuff. And it's remarkable as you actually look at this. Um, The federal judge who was presiding over this case called it an act of domestic terrorism damage that will persist for decades. Those who fled will be traumatized for the rest of their lives. Makes it harder for us diplomats to promote democracy abroad. That's right. This guy, this guy Hodgkins is getting a Paul. I'm sorry. I said, James Paul Hodgkins is getting a, cause I confused it with James Hodgkinson, who you should all remember. He's the Bernie Sanders supporter who back in 2018 shot Representative Steve Scalise as part of an actual mass assassination attempt of conservative members of Congress. But Paul Hodgkins, uh, Paul Hodgkins pleaded guilty to obstruction of Congress. And if you were to read the way the judge set this whole thing up, you'd say, well, it's so clear that what's really going on here is this guy's being punished for at, at some level. Look, what he did is wrong. And I've always said that you can't riot, You can't you know, break in and disrupt Congress. But you had anti-Kavanaugh people disrupting proceedings on Capitol Hill, blocking uh, blocking entrances and acting like lunatics. You've had Democrats take over state capitals, trespassing, refusing to let people come and go, blocking the business of the, the state legislature. Let's go back to the Scott Walker days, what was going on in Wisconsin. So, you know, these kind of things do occur. The assaults on police officers, I mean, that's that's the most serious charge. And that should be that should be punished. I mean, you can't start throwing punches at cops and doing this sort of thing. And and people should go to jail for that. I'm going to say people should go to jail for that. You got to serve some time for that. You can't do that. But trespassing. And by the way, and I say sometime was the officer seriously injured. The answer is no. But a lot of you are probably saying, wait, hold on a second, Buck. How many BLM protesters who assaulted officers, punched them, spat on them? Ah, yes. You see, this is the problem with actually having principles is that when you try to apply them consistently, you're very disappointed with the American system. You're very disappointed with how our justice system plays out now. There is one side here that always gets more than the benefit of the doubt. They get a free pass while the other is treated terribly. Um, for reasons of politics. And that is what you are seeing. That is actually what is happening here. You know, with big tech colluding with the White House to block certain opinions and shut down accounts online, I think it should be more clear to you than ever that online privacy and security is something you have to take an active role in. You can't just leave it to big tech to do for you because they're selling your stuff. And you're vulnerable with your online communications. That's why I want you to check out Secure. Secure keeps your personal and business data away from the prying eyes of big tech and hackers. It's perfect for business people who receive and send sensitive material via email and instant messaging. Secure, that's S-E-K-U-R, 
is a new way for you to protect your information with the ultimate privacy and cybersecurity communications tool. They're an instant messaging and email platform hosted in Switzerland, protecting your data with the strictest data privacy laws in the world. Secure uses proprietary encryption technologies, an independent platform, and Swiss privacy laws to ensure complete privacy and security of your data. It assures your personal business and private conversations, messages, and data are kept completely safe and private. They don't mine your data and are not subject to the Cloud Act. Take back your freedom, privacy, and online security. Go to secure, that's S-E-K-U-R, secure.com. Use coupon code BUCK for one week free and 25% off. That's buck at secure.com. Coupon code buck at secure, S-E-K-U-R.com. Regain your privacy. All right, the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition has a... Uh, has a trans woman who will be on the uh, a, tr- a trans woman will be on the cover. Okay, Lena Bloom, and will be the first transgender woman on the cover of Sports Illustrated, celebrated as a symbol of beauty. Now, I, I just I know the left has really lost its mind. I, I know there there's you know they're they're crazy at at some level. Um, that much is is obvious on a lot of issues. But on this one, I've just got to say, do I, as a heterosexual male, am I allowed to say that this is to me, you know, Sports Illustrated can be woke and, and do whatever they want, but I don't find a man who has physically altered uh, you know, traits, you know, gotten, uh, you know, uh, breast augmentation, essentially fake breasts and had other surgeries and things done. I, I don't find that physically appealing or attractive. In fact, I find it I, I find it distressing. I find it disturbing. I find it sad. But this is a, this is not about you see, this is what the left always does. At first, they want tolerance. Then they then they demand. Uh, they, they demand. Uh, celebration, right? Tolerate it, tolerate it. Uh, well, now you have to celebrate it. That's the next step. And that's what you see here. I mean, tolerance in the, in the context of transgenderism should be you treat everybody as a, as a person with respect and decency and dignity. You're kind to people. You don't discriminate against people. Right. That's that's what we could all agree. Tolerance should mean that's not tolerance for the left is no, no, you, you can't criticize this thing. You can't criticize the situation. That's what they think it is. It's a very different circumstances. And it, look, I, I think this is weird. I also think, you know, any guy listening to this, if you were on a if you were on a date with someone, and by the way, those of you who say that would never happen to me, I mean, it's you start to look at some of the surgeries, the things they're doing, you know, it's you know, I'm just telling you, I mean, I've I've heard I've heard I've heard stories. I've heard stories. And, you know, how should you feel about that? I mean, shouldn't a person always have to identify as as trans, I mean, there are just so you understand where I'm going with this. There are media outlets like the Huffington Post who will use terms like transphobic for straight men who are not attracted to trans women. I, so so look at what they're doing here. No, I am allowed to. You're allowed to for the guys listening to be attracted to what we are attracted to when it comes to, of course, consenting adults. But that's it. They can't force this upon us. I don't have to celebrate this. I don't have to think this is normal or okay. 
to elevate a person and say this is a a beauty symbol. Um, But the left is relentless with this. They are relentless. And we are supposed to think that a person who is um, not not female, you cannot actually change your gender, should be attractive to straight males. That's what the elevation to the cover of Sports Illustrated is supposed to do. It's supposed to be confusing. It's supposed to be um, political. It's supposed to really be cultural pressure on people and it's just absurd and it's weird that they do this to the general public but the left has an agenda and they're pushing it they're pushing it so here you go oh oh, what a day thanks so much for being here with me on the uh, buck sexton show podcast please do spread the word also if you have not i would ask a small favor Give me a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and uh, give a short review or as long as you want about how you enjoy the show and pass the buck. Give it to somebody. Back with you tomorrow with uh, producer Mark. We'll be hanging out with you. Shields high.